0: As I mentioned, my wife's going to come back and give the second lesson. It really goes with the first lesson. And then you're going to be stuck with me for a few weeks after this one. But uh, we're always glad to hear from Pastor Tracy because she's great at what she does. So God bless you. Give her a hand. She gives the lesson tonight. Thank you. I do want to encourage any of the ladies who have not signed up for Connect Groups. We've got... Great ones back there, so uh, so just get connected. I know you kinda, some of you had the summer off, and it's hard to get reconnected sometimes, but just do it, okay? Well, like Nike, just do it, okay? All right, well, tonight we're going to uh, follow up. Last week's lesson was on excellence, and uh, this week is the going forward attitude. Does everybody have notes tonight? Okay, all right, good. All right, let's just get started here. We're in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Now, I want to stop right there. Do you realize that you were created for a purpose? That you were created to lay hold of something? Now, Anne McDonnell's something may be different than Vernetta Chisholm's something, But do you understand that we were created to lay hold of something and that we have to lay hold of that thing? So for us to just fall into that sin of comparison, see, that's, that is, it is a sin of comparison. It is the enemy's snare. And I don't know, do men do that as badly as women do? Come on, guys, do y'all, do y'all compare each other to each other? some, yeah, women do it really badly. Uh, and so we compare each other to each other. And you know what? I don't have to be Andrea and Andrea doesn't have to be me, but I do by the word of God need to press on to lay hold of that, which Christ Jesus laid hold of me to do. Okay. And that's true for you, brethren. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do now get ready for this. He says one thing, but then he says two things. So now how's that going to happen? Because the two things I'm getting ready to say are really connected as one thing. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Now that's one thing. It looks like two, but it's not. It's one. Because what Paul is saying there is if you forget but don't reach, you're not going anywhere. You just have amnesia, (laughs) but if you reach and don't forget, you know, you're going to be really frustrated. That's where a lot of us are. We keep reaching, but we won't forget. We don't allow the the forgiveness and the forgetfulness to come and we let the enemy beat us up. And no matter how hard we keep reaching, he keeps pulling us back. So I want to encourage you. That is one thing. This one thing I do, forgetting which is behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. All right. Hebrews eleven eight 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. You ever felt like that? (laughs) I have. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. All right, let's get started. There is an appropriate and needful moving forward of the church in regards to ministry. Some have referred to this as going on to the next level of ministry. That phrase synopsizes an attitude of a leader who is willing to go forward to new heights and dimensions of ministry and church life. Keyword right there is you've got to be willing to go forward. That's not just an automatic. So if you're sitting here tonight going, okay, she's just going to say something. I'm going to listen, check it off my brain that I was here and I filled out the little paper and I'll go forward. It's not automatic. You have to be willing to go forward. Point A, everything in the kingdom usually starts out small. Zechariah 4.10, do not despise the days of small beginnings. Don't you love this quote from Walt Disney? Don't be afraid of small beginnings. Remember, this whole thing started with a mouse. Okay? Sometimes I feel like it's still a mouse, but, you know, that's okay because God knows. Because if we can't be faithful in the small why should he ever give us the big? I don't think I remembered to say this last week. I had so many things to cover. But there's a book um, written by, um, who's our friend in Texas, uh, Training for raining, Rick Godwin, Training for raining, And he says, don't be asking God for the million-dollar house if you won't f- fix the screen door on the $100,000 house you live in And we all think that we, if that, you know, oh, if I just had this, if I just had that, if you won't take care of what you've got, then why should he give you more? If you won't wash the $10,000 car you've got, why would he give you a Mercedes? See, we have to prove ourselves faithful in the small thing. We have to be excellent about the small things he gives us. Okay. Going to the next level involves several things. Now I'm going to give you a list here, but now it's, All of these are important, but you don't have to have all of these all at the same time. But these are, these are levels, these are things that are involved in going to the next level. Okay. Number one, spiritual health. A ministry can grow and not be healthy. Have you ever thought of that? Pastor Joel Stockstill, you know, we always talk about Pastor Joel down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, at uh, Bethany World Prayer Center, where Tyler went to be an intern. Um, he tells this very powerful story of when he was 13 years old, he was a scrawny, he's, he's still pretty scrawny, but he was really scrawny when he was about 12 and 13 years old, skinny, skinny, skinny. And he tells the story of how one day during the summer, his mother looked at him and she said, Joel, honey, you must be having a growth spurt. I can see your little face filling out. That's good. Let's get you on the scales. And she got him on the scale. He gained five pounds. She's like, oh, praise the Lord. You're finally getting some meat on your bones. Well. About a week later, she looked at him. She's like, Joel, your face is really getting a little chubby. Let's get you back on the scales. He'd gained 10 pounds. Well, they began to watch it, and within just a few short days, he had gained over 15 pounds. They went to the doctor and realized at that point, his kidneys had completely failed. And you see, he makes the point as he was preaching that message, and he said, just because something swells, doesn't mean it's healthy. And I think we have to remember that. And would Pastor and I love to have a church of 5,000? Absolutely. But only if it was healthy. Because, see, you can have a huge church that's a mile wide and an inch deep. You can have a lot of big numbers that people be weak in their faith They not be set free. They can still be ruled by their addictions. And just because somebody comes and fills in a seat and maybe even gives them the offering plate, that doesn't mean that they're finding success and that they're going to the next level. The thing that, you know, and it took us, he's almost 51 and I'm 48, to finally get this revelation in your mind. It is more important to us to know some of you and where you were five years ago and where you are today. You see, and how God has changed you and how he has set you free and how your marriages are healed and your kids are back on track you see that is that's success not thousands and thousands sure i would love thousands and thousands if they were walking in wholeness and if they were walking in health and i believe that the lord will give us all of that but he wants to make sure that we want the health and wellness not just the numbers he doesn't he's not going to give us what we want if it's not right, okay, he wants to make sure our motives are right. Uh, number two, the presence and the power of God. If the presence of God is not around, then what church becomes is a program or event. You know, we might as well just go to the Kiwanis Club. You know, they can put on some pretty good stuff. Okay. Uh, number three, excellence and professionalism. We talked about this last week. As a ministry matures, there should be a marked quality of ministry. Quality of ministry. Um, how many of you were at? Discount Furniture World at Legacy One. Raise your hand. Are we a little bit better in our quality than we were at Discount Furniture World? <laughs> For all those who you miss Discount Furniture World, you really missed something. It's It you. It was a test, but we passed it. Y'all, we, we went in there one Saturday and we, and we started building and we were building the children's church. Well, we got the, the drywall up and we were so excited. we were thinking, okay, we're going to paint these rooms, bright colors. And right then the fire marshal walked in and he said, didn't you know you're supposed to pull permits? The pastor was like, I'm sorry. I'm a preacher. I don't know those things. And so he refused to let us put any paint on the wall. He said, if you do one more thing, I will close you down. So we were there, what, nine, 10 months, and I mean, it was pretty rough, but bless God, we would decorate that place in there. Remember all those ladies' events we would have, and we would have the prettiest things. we put fabric on the wall because we couldn't paint the walls, but we made it the best. We did it as excellently as we could, and so, you know, God honored that, and then he gave us this place, and I'm telling you, this place ain't nothing compared to what he's going to give us next, right? Okay. All right, number four, larger attendance or participation. That could be a sign of going to the next level. But numbers are not everything, but they can tell a part of the story. Uh, Number five, greater influence. The impact that a church has on a spiritual climate of a city. Now, you can be a huge church, and we won't name any names, but, you know, there are huge churches downtown that have been here for hundreds of years, and they've got probably thousands of people on their roll. But do you ever hear of them doing anything to impact our city. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not putting anything against them. I'm just saying just because you're big and just because you've been here a long time doesn't mean you have influence. Um, pastor, where is the lady that, that from overseas that sends you emails that she's listening to you in the, okay. United kingdom. He is, his messages are going out all over the world. And there is a woman that contacts him and tells him that she has given his message to everybody at her work this week or or whatever. And is how that it means so much to her and that she has not been able to find a church wherever she lives that preaches the truth. And so legacy is her church. So you see, we're having influence. Um, this is not to brag on myself, but this is just going to show you that I had a phone call the other day from a girl that lives in Orlando, Florida. She's been to our church, if I remember correctly, I think maybe twice as a visitor of one of our members. And she was going through a real marital struggle, and she called me. And I said, well, honey, um, are you going to church? "Yes, ma'am, oh, yes, ma'am, we're going, to a, we're going to a great church. I said, well, how big is your church? Oh, it's 6,000. And I said, well, can I just ask you, why are you calling me? Well, because I know that you would talk to me and I know that you would give me advice and you would tell me the truth, you know, and that's great. And I love, but I did say, you know what? I'm not there to watch over you on a daily basis. You're going to need to submit yourself to your pastor and get his, you know, critique somebody that you can touch and he can look you in the eye and say, are you doing what I said? Um, I said, but I appreciate that. But you see, you can have impact and you can have influence far beyond our own city, but we're believing for that as well here. And we do have that here. All right, let's go on to the next point. Typical, these are typically perceived limitations in the life of a church. Okay? You have limited people. How many of you ever heard of the 80-20 rule? 20% of the people of the church do 80% of the work. And the other people just come in the door and sit down. <laughs> you know, we talked about that last week. How much time it takes to set up a women's event. How much time and forethought it takes to do a planning of a, of a church dinner. Um, but see, that's why all y'all are here is because you are in leadership training so that we can release more responsibilities to you. Now, here's the key. This is the hard part. And this is true when Pastor and I were on staff, at you know, Pastor Miles Church in, in Spartanburg. When you are in leadership under the pastor and you're trying to help the ministry to accomplish the goals that are the vision of the house, you don't get to do what you necessarily want to do you get to do what needs to be done, okay? That's why when one of y'all will raise your hand and volunteer to go into the nursery when it really wasn't your turn, that is just like, boy, you have passed the test with an A+. You know, when you will go get the chicken, you know, when you, you know, that's not how, that's not very exciting to be the person to go pick up the chicken, you know? I mean, we have people that they're no longer with us uh, (laughs) because they would have said to pastor, are you kidding me? Are you, I, You want me to pick up the chicken? No, you see, I I, I will gladly pray before the dinner, or if you'd like me to even share a brief devotional before the dinner, I would be willing to do that. But no, you see, my giftings are far beyond picking up the chicken. Okay? You see, that's not a person who's trained for leadership. They're not training to reign. That's training for selfishness. Okay, when you are called to be a leader, you do whatever has to be done for the ministry to go forth. And sometimes it's sweeping the floor and, you know, listen, I mean, this this bragging on Lisa and Brian a little bit. Sunday morning, church had already started. I did not think Pastor even knew this. Church had already started, and somebody came out of the bathroom and said, oh, I hate to tell you this, Pastor Tracy, but the toilet and the handicapped stall is running over in the women's bathroom. And I'm just thinking, uh, uh, you know, and and I'm looking around thinking, uh, I don't want to ask anybody to do that. I mean, they're all dressed up for church. Who wants to go do that? But I went to Lisa and I just said, honey, I so hate to ask you to do this. And she immediately went, don't you worry about it? I'll get Brian. <laughs> Come on, Brian. <laughs> you know, and I, I think she helped. I don't think it was just Brian, but, but you see what I'm saying? You can't just, what are you going to do? Just let the toilet keep running over because nobody's called to go stop the toilet, you know? So it takes all of us to get it done. All right. Point two, limited finances. Can I just ask you Is there ever really enough money? No. (laughs) Okay. Point three. (laughs) Limited facilities. Where do we put all the vision and purpose we have received? That's the problem we're in right now. Y'all, if we had, seriously, if we had eight classrooms, I could fill them up with teachers for connect groups. Do you understand that? Because there are that many of you that are good teachers, but we don't have that facility yet. But you know what? That day's coming. That day's coming. We are busting out of those nurseries. I mean, at that new church, we've already said we have, to re, we have to redraw that whole thing. You know, I don't know where a pastor in my office is going to be because the offices have now become the new nurseries. So we're going to have nurseries on this side and we're going to have nurseries on that side because we are busting out the scene with the kids. That is a great problem to have. Okay? So that's a sign of a growing church. Limited time the next point. People have their own lives. And you know what? We have to be very conscientious of that because we could fill up your schedule with church every night of the week. But see, then you'd be out of the balance because you need to be home with your family. You need to have family time. You need to take care of your kids. Okay? So all those things are some of the perceived limitations and limited impact. How can a church our size impact an urban area this size? Well, we already talked about that. It can be done. All right. What does it mean? to break free from limitations and go to the next level. Well, the next level is not just about attendance and finances, but it's also about attitude and expectation. You can tell pastor wrote these notes because I would never talk about baseball, but here you go. (laughs) You can take an A-level baseball player and put him in a major league park and put the uniform on him and he can look real good. See, I had that in there because that would be what I would be thinking about is do I look good in the uniform? (laughs) But that doesn't mean that he is ready to play ball at that level. He needs the skills and the attitude that that level demands. See, I had a little conversation with my husband. I said, oh, so not just the skills, but the attitude. He's like, oh yeah, man, you got have a whole different attitude to play at that kind of level. And I was like, oh, who knew? Okay. Sometimes the next level is better reflected in passion, heart, sacrifice, and consistency. Now, listen to this. I've got the Lord, can me quite a few illustrations here. As far as I know about me, pastor, and all of you, I don't think that there are 10,000 people waiting at the Charleston Coliseum, waiting for any of us to show up and speak to them. Are there? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. So what, if we're training for leadership and we're not Joyce Meyer yet, then what does that mean? Well, I always love Joyce Meyer because she always tells on herself. And remember, and this is something, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, this is something new that I've heard from Joyce or read on her website or something. You know, she was, did the home Bible studies for five years, remember? Then she went to work at that church for three years on staff at a church there in St. Louis. And then the Lord told her to quit that job and prepare for ministry on the road. For two years, she did nothing. Now, knowing Joyce Meyer, do you think that aggravated the snot out of her? Can you imagine if you have that, that driven personality and she feels like she had the Bible study? I mean, you understand, she wasn't even doing a Bible study in her home. She went from Bible study to staff position to nothing. And those were the days she'd already quit her job. She was going to the, the garage sales, buying her kids' underwear. At garage sales, those okay. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. Is is for God to take you to the next level? He is going to demand that you have an attitude change, a sacrifice that He's going to call you to, and He's going to call you to consistency. Now, what does consistency look like in our lives right here at Legacy? Well, I'm just going to give you a few things that the Lord gave to me today. Challenge Some of these you may already be doing. Some of these may challenge you. First of all, will you, if the Lord asks you, and maybe he hasn't asked you, maybe that's not why, why you're not doing it. Or is it pride or is it embarrassment or is it getting out of your box? But would, would you be willing to come up here in the well on Sunday mornings and worship? That's a sacrifice. That's a sacrifice of praise for some of you because that's just not your temperament. For some of us, it's the sacrifice to stay right there and not come up here. You understand? As hard as it is for some of you to come up here, it's hard for me to stay in my seat and not come up here and be the center of attention. Because I know that's what God's telling me not to do. So you see, so whatever the sacrifice is, are you willing to do it? How about prayer time? On Sunday mornings, you know? That's, that's probably the next level of sacrifice. If, God, if you're saying, Lord, take me to the next level. I want to go to the next level. I want to know what you have for me. What is the ministry? Well, to me, worship and prayer are the beginnings of, of what he's probably calling you to do. Tithing. That's, that's just a given. If you're not a tither, then don't expect to go to the next level because it ain't going to happen. All right? And then church attendance. If you are, if you are desiring to be a leader and you're desiring for God to take you to the next level, there is never a Sunday morning that you wake up and go, uh, you think I should go to church today? Uh, I went, oh, I've gone for the last three weeks. I think I'll take today off. Now, do we get sick? Do we have, you know, something that, that might come, might, might <laughs> come up that you miss a Sunday? I'm talking might like maybe once a year. Um. Not every other week. well, my friends came into town. My family came into town. They don't really like our church. You know what? When our family came into church town and they didn't like Evangel Cathedral, we were like, guess what? We're going. We'll be home in two hours. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Drink you some coffee. We'll be back. Um, you see, if now I'm not talking to just church members. I'm talking to those of you who are desiring to be leaders. You see, there's a difference. Yeah, if you're a church member and you don't want to come to church, okay, fine. That's great. You know, we love you. But if you're designed to be a leader, those things are not optional. And it's something that you just, you don't even question. You don't question whether you're going to pay your tithe or your light bill. Mm. You pay your tithe because you understand that you would rather rob the, <laughs> if you're going to rob anybody, which you're not, but if you're going to rob anybody, you're going to rob G rather than robbing God. You know what? Because I, one time I had to call about that because I forgot to pay my light bill. You know what they said to me? Honey, unless you're like two months behind, we don't even put it on your credit score. I was like, really? So for all these times that I've heard these people go, I can't pay my tithe because I've got to pay my light bill. Okay. I want you to pay your light bill, but you see, God has got to be first. All right. All right. Next. B, every time that a ministry grows and moves forward, it will demand that people break out of certain mindsets, attitudes, and patterns of doing things to go to the next level. Did you hear Ricardo Sanchez say that? On that song, he said, we've got to break out of old mindsets. When it says break out, I circle the word break. The word break just sounds like something's going to be messy or it's going to hurt. Doesn't it? Think about that. When you break something, if you break a dish, there's a mess to clean up. If you break your arm like I did one time, that hurts. But yet God says, I've got to get you to break out of what you've always known as normal to go to that next level. So understand there's going to be some pain or some discomfort or at least some messiness to go to the next level. Um, You've heard us tell this before, but change is so hard for some people. Really, I won't get into the whole... Temperaments, but really, a choleric and a sanguine are really the only two people that handle change very well. And thank God, He's a choleric and I'm a sanguine. Okay, so so you know, when God says you're moving from California to South Carolina, we just get in the car. When He says you're leaving that church and that denomination, okay, we just do it. You know, I'm kicking your rear end out of here because you're going to go start a church that you said you'd never start. Well, guess what? You're doing it now. Okay, thank goodness a choleric and a sanguine can handle that. But you know, some of you are melancholy and phlegmatic, and you don't handle. Change very well at all. And this is the sad part. And remember, we talked about this probably our first or second year of legacy. And that was remember when Scott Shearer, remember the Shears when they came and they were marriage counselors and they were really uh, great counselors and topics. He said that 68% of the population has a difficult time with change and they will stay in something that they know is perverted and wrong. And so dysfunctional that they may even be in danger because change is harder than even going for safety. How many of us know women? I do. (laughs) Who were battered, beaten, mistreated, but just couldn't imagine life differently. So they stayed in that situation. Okay. Well, you know, sometimes we stay, and, and most of us that are here at Legacy, just because we're a spirit-filled church and we haven't been in existence that long, we obviously came from somewhere. But some of you are new, born-again Christians, but some of you have come from other churches because you, God pushed you out of your nest. And he said, you know, I'm pushing you to something new and extreme and it's going to be messy, and some of you have paid a price for it, but we have to understand that. When we go to pastor's conferences, so many times there'll be a message, and it may not say it exactly like this, but one time that pastor got up and he said, if the horse is dead, dismount. Okay? And some of us have ridden some dead horses for a long time. And, you know, and pastors have a hard time changing. I don't know that pastors have a hard time changing because they personally have a hard time changing or they're afraid of what the people will say if they change. But you know what? I heard this about a year ago and it said, you know what? It, nothing is a failure. It's just a new experiment. That experiment just didn't work. Can't you appreciate that Miss Twyla? Miss Shaw, our science teacher over here. Okay. So we found out in that experiment that that was not the way to do it. So, okay. It wasn't a failure. We just go on with a new experiment. And that's the way you have to see. If you're in leadership there's going to be lots of stuff you're going to try. You're just going to go, mm, well, that didn't work. And you can either say it's a failure or you can say, well, that's just one more way I know not to do it. Wasn't it Thomas Edison who said, now I know a thousand ways not to make a light bulb before he made it. All right. So you can look at it one way or another. You have to be optimistic and say that, you know, going forward is going to be risky, but it's going to be exciting. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, If you envision yourself in a God plan, then chances are good that you're going to have to change many things to get to that place. One of the reasons churches and ministries stagnate on numerous levels is their inability to embrace change in them and around them. The old church saying, we've never done it this way before. Okay? Anytime a pastor hears that, he just wants to get out the gun. Just take a couple people out. But you know what? Y'all don't say that here. So, see, no guns are needed. So, that's good. Okay. Um, but let me just tell you, flexibility. Now, that, I'm just going to bring it down to real life. Okay? Just real legacy life here. Flexibility is such a must in the ministry. Whether you are on the worship team. I mean, I can't tell you how many times. Now, this is before Laura get, got here with her awesome voice. But back in the day, when it was me up there. <laughs> um, you know, you can practice something on Wednesday night and sound great. Well, between Wednesday and Sunday, a cold front has moved in and it's settled right in my throat. Well, you know what? The songs that we practiced on Wednesday, I can't sing now. So we're going to have to change up the whole set. Now you can either get your panties in a wad or else you can go, I guess we'll be flexible and we'll change. Okay. Does that make all those people up there have to change? And the guitars guys are going, what's the court on that? Yes but you know, you have to be flexible. Okay. How about when you show up in Little Fishers to work and you're in a room that's made for six weeks, six kids to be in there. And we have a whole bunch of visitors walk in, which praise the God, praise the Lord. Isn't that a good thing? Yes. Okay. But that week you now have 13 kids in Little Fishers in a room that fits six kids. Now, what are you going to do? You can either get all frustrated and mad and agitated. And can I tell you something else? When the harvest comes through the door, those little children aren't going to know how to act in little fishers because they've never been to church. So are they going to act wrong and touch each other? And they don't know who you are from Adam. So for you to say, Miss, well, I'm just using Mary's example. Miss Mary says that you need to sit down. They're looking at you like, who cares what Miss Mary says? I don't know you. You know, you see what I'm saying? We have to be flexible and understanding this is ministry. Whew. Lord, why I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me right now. Okay. And, I, and you can multiply these cookies, these graham crackers right now, make them multiply. Okay. So we have to do that. Um, You know, in connect group, now this is really important because some of you, I know you're in my next connect leader. So now listen carefully. You can get to connect group and you can have that thing all planned out and you can know exactly. These are going to be transitional sentences. You're going to go from point A to point B. You're going to say this. Mary knows because she was my assistant, but honey, somebody will raise their hand and ask some question that is so far off what you were talking about and but yet you know that they are crying out for help and they have got tears in their eyes and they're going, and what are you going to do? Now, this is the thing. If your temperament is to say, excuse me, that's not what we're talking about. Do you understand? You just quench the spirit because we're not there to follow our little set of rules. We are there to minister to people. Now, Yeah. And there's a whole teaching. I do a whole teaching with leaders on, you know, how to get it back. If somebody's just monopolizing conversation and all that kind of stuff. But you see, you gotta be flexible. Pastor has to be flexible. He's up here on a Sunday morning in his mind. He has a plan of how service is going to go, but don't you want the Holy spirit to show up and just blow the whole plan out the window. And when he does, thank God, I'm telling you, y'all need, when you sense the spirit drop in this place, I'm going to ask you, I want you to, at that moment to begin to intercede for our pastor because you understand, know he has to at that point dis- discern, is this God? Is this God for five minutes? Is this God for 30 minutes? Is this, is this the flesh or is that just a, a manifestation of the spirit that maybe I haven't seen before? You, you, you don't know what it's like to stand up there and have to make all those decisions on the spot. And yet keep the music going, keep you engaged, not stand there like a chicken with your head cut off or a a, a, a deer in headlights like, uh, okay. So you need to kick into gear praying for him. But you see, you need to also be thinking this, this is what he always trained me all these years in ministry. When he would say, Tracy, when I begin to prophesy, I want you to ask the Lord, what am I hearing? What are you, Tracy, what are you hearing? And are you hearing the rest of the prophecy? Now, we have, you haven't seen this a lot here in this church. just because we're familiar with y'all. But when we go out and minister, we, we're kind of known as tag team prophets. He'll, he'll begin to prophesy, and then I'll tag him, literally tag him on the shoulder when I have something to add. And it, and it really is because he's trained me. All these years, listen, I know he t- he'll tell Noah and, and Tyler and even Laura when we're in staff meetings, when, when Pastor Rod is here or when else, someone else is was preaching, are you also getting a message? Is the Lord speaking to you at the same time that Pastor Rod is preaching? Are you hearing the voice of the Lord? Because you see, those are things that leaders have to be trained in because whenever you're in leadership, and guess what? He's not there and I'm not there, and the Holy Spirit shows up, You've got to know how to handle that. So to do that, you've got to learn flexibility. And some of you right now, I'll just tell you, I love you enough to tell you, you're a little rigid. You're a little rigid. And when things don't go the way you thought they needed to go, or somebody else shows up to help you in a class that you didn't know they were coming, you just get, ooh. And you see, that's a test that you got to pass before the Lord can take you to the next level. Okay. What does it take to go to the next level? The passages of scripture imply and underscore several dynamics in moving forward. Number four, number one, you must first desire to go forward. If you don't want it, don't worry. You won't. You won't go forward, okay? Few things are achieved without passion and desire. Even the Bible says to be filled with righteousness, you must hunger and thirst for it. You know, our ladies conference every year is in passionate pursuit. Because you have to be in passionate pursuit of him to go to that next level. Two, make sure your attitude and thinking are right. Few critical or negative people move forward in life. People who are optimistic usually have a great confidence that God will bring them through, even if, if they obey his plans. Now, two things I want to say there. Remember pastor's illustration, Paul Youngie Cho. People like me. You've got to believe that people like you. And when you may not be a Joel Osteen fan, you know, I, I don't think, I think sometimes he says some good stuff. Sometimes I, I don't agree with everything he says, but, but last week he said, you know, he just walks around in life, believing that people are going to like him. He said, I don't want me. Y'all may think I'm crazy, but I just think everybody likes me. Well, you know, if you're optimistic and you don't, and, and you believe that people are going to like you, you're going to have a better chance of people liking it. You know, if they walk around like I did for so many years, believing that people hate the pastor's wife. Because that's the kind of church I grew up in. Everybody hated the pastor's wife. So when I surrendered to the call to be a pastor's wife, I just signed up for everybody will hate me. I just checked that little box. And all my life, I believed that everybody would always hate me. And that I would try and I would go around and I would do all that, but people would ultimately not like me. Well, you know what? That's what I got. Because what you believe and what you profess, and what you confess is what will come back to you. So we have to believe and we have to begin to break those ungodly beliefs. That's a whole teaching in itself, but come to encounter if you want to know more about that when we have one coming up here pretty soon. But this is a point that the Lord has been saying to Pastor and I just this week. And that is you have to speak faith and you have to believe when you don't see it consistently. Not just for three days. Not just for three weeks. Not just for three months, but do you believe that His will is going to be performed in your life every day, no matter what it looks like, on the good days and on the bad days? Do you believe it? And are you consistent? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight? Or are you on this roller coaster? One day you're up and God is good. You're sending out Facebook messages that just would, you know, impress Benny Hinn, you know, and then two days later, you don't even know if you're saved, you know, and you're ready to quit the church and you hate everybody here. And, you know, you're going to leave your husband and, you know, and all that, you know, we have to be consistent even on the bad days that God is good and he's on the throne and he's working in me. He's, he's killing some stuff. He's pruning off some stuff. You have to believe that. Okay. Every day. There is a prize and an inheritance to the next level. The word says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. All right. Just as there are requirements and benefits to moving forward through a business or a ball club, so too are there blessings and challenges to go with God to that new place. Have you ever heard that song? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. How many remember this verse? Though no, no, none, the though none go with me, still I will follow. Okay. Are you prepared to go forward? If nobody goes with you, Pastor and I have to make that decision a lot. Okay. You have to leave the place you are to get to the next place. Sometimes this means leaving mentalities, attitudes, and mindsets that cannot exist at the next place. Sometimes it may mean even physically disconnecting, biblically of course, from the place, people, or plan that was there before. I watch TV and the thing that just cracks me up is the people, when they're trying to sell their house, and a lady comes in and tells them that they need to paint their walls a different color, they get all bent out of shape. I'm like, you ain't going to live there anyway. What's the difference? I mean, there was this one yesterday, and these people had built this tree in their living room, spent a million dollars having this tree in this forest, literally constructed in this $3 million house in Beverly Hills. And every place, every realtor that came in was like, Well, you're going to have to get rid of the tree. I'm talking like branches going up through the ceiling. I mean, it was like craziness. And this lady was having a fit. And this realtor finally just looked at her and said, well, I guess my question is, do you want to sell the house or do you not? Well, and the lady said, do you understand that you're not going to be here? Oh, 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 well, I guess I never thought of it like that. Duh. Okay. So, um. You know, you have to realize that to go on to the next level, to go on to their $5 million house, which they bought in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, No, San Diego. I'm sorry. They had to sell the $3 million house with the tree. So they had to get rid of the tree. All right. How about this? When pastor and I look at our wedding pictures, nobody in our wedding pictures will talk to us today because we are baptized in the Holy spirit and we speak in tongues. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Jesus. So I just look at them and go, well, I hate it for you, (laughs) but you know, I mean, there are, there are days, you know, when they have, when we get the, the, the male thing that they're having, the Mid-America Nazarene College reunion, and Kevin looked at me and he goes, wonder what would happen if we showed up? (laughs) I said, I don't know. There might be a lot of this, (laughs) but you know what? If I had to choose them or you, I would choose you. Okay. So, all right. Number five, you will have to forget some things that are behind you that we talked about that. Some erroneous teaching, just like Pastor I have. We had to walk away from a denomination that says speaking in tongues is of the devil. Okay? Because it's not. So you have to walk away from that. Um, The famous last words of a dying movement, that old wine was better. All right, I'm going to save that comment. I have a really good one there, but I'm going to, because the Holy Spirit said, don't say it. See, I'm being flexible right now, even though I'd written it down. All right, number six, you will have to press into the next level. Rome wasn't built in a day, and neither is a church or a ministry area. The enemy will not give up territory easily, so you will have to press your way into that place. It didn't say you have to lean your way into a place. Okay, it didn't say that you could always look good while you're pressing. See, you know, some of us want to, we want to look good. When pastor gets those phone calls, and he hasn't had them in years, because I guess the word got out that he's not going to help him. Uh, some of the, some of our denominational guys would call and say, can you help me make a smooth transition? There's no way to make a smooth transition. You're going to get, when you break out, it's going to be messy. All right? Now just remember, I'm not going to go into any details, but just remember eight years ago when we broke out. In some people's minds, we look like a big joke, didn't we? We look like a joke. We look like a failure. We look like a bunch of fanatics. You see, it's hard to keep your pride and looking good And press forward. You know, just think about guys out there in two-a-day football practices, and they're pushing against that, whatever you call that thing, sled, okay? (laughs) They're learning to tackle. They don't look good at the end of practice. They're all nasty looking. Well, sometimes pressing into the Lord, into the things of the Lord, you're not going to look so good, especially in the eyes of the religious people. Very interesting side note. I know I'm almost done here. Pastor, um, Pastor, in his new members class the other day, was asking one of our young guys that was joining the church, um, so now, did you did you grow up in church? Mm, no, no, mm, no, So, how'd you get here? And he said that one of our couples had brought him. And uh, Pastor said, so when you came into Legacy, and we're like pretty, you know, exuberant in our worship. You walked in here, and we had the lights and the music and the band, and people are down front, and why'd you think about that? And he said, well, I'd never seen anything like that, but... I thought, hey, these people are really serious about what they're doing. And, and Pastor says, so, so it didn't in any way uh, ostracize you or or cause you to feel uncomfortable. Oh no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, I've seen some pretty wild stuff in bars before. <laughs> See what that shows? It shows that people, the lost people, are not the ones who are offended by what we do. It's the religious people who are offended, which to me is like a badge of honor because that's exactly who ticked off Jesus. Jesus was ticked off by, you know, they hated him too. So I figure if it's good enough for Jesus, it's okay. It's all right. But you see, we can't, if we want the approval of man and we want to press forward, it's probably not going to happen. So if you can just get that in your mind right now, I want Jesus' approval. I want to stand before the Lord and Him to say, well done, thou good and faithful and a little bit messy servant. Then you're good. All right. You will never go get all the details before you take the next step. Oh, isn't that so true? Uh, Cindy Folsom's new Bible study, just enough light for the step that I'm on. And sometimes I wonder if as I'm stepping, will he turn the light on? You ever wonder that one? You're like, okay, I'm stepping. <laughs> kind of like when the words don't come up until like. The second we're getting ready to say, <laughs> it's kind of like that. You just think, Lord, come on. But you see, he doesn't promise that he's going to give us the next five years. Because you know what? If he did, we probably wouldn't take the trip. Now, if, if he would only give us the end result, I heard a, a Kathy Leshner. She was a prophet. She was the one that prophesied Caitlin. Actually, she said, you know, you get your promise you get your prophecy at point A, and you get your promise at Z. And she said, you're, you're trucking along pretty good. You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. She goes, then you get to M. And it's like all the lights go out. And you, you're like, Lord, where are you? And the he didn't show up for a long time. And the question is, will you continue to be consistent and walk it out? And that's the question. All of us would do it if we could see Z. But if he showed us the end, would we give up now? My husband preached a message many years ago. It was one of his favorite messages at Evangel that everybody bought, and that is that you don't know that you're not 24 hours from your turnaround. You don't know that you're not 24 hours from God coming through. There was a day that we did not have the money to buy groceries. We didn't have anything. I mean, it was terrible, y'all. I mean, I'm talking destitute two little boys living in a rented house that was filled with spiders and ugh, roaches and everything and we were on staff at a huge church and we just didn't know how we were going to make it and we just cried out to god of course we're still paying our tide we're we're eating macaroni and cheese every day that was the days when my pantyhose went for a year remember and i didn't have to buy new pantyhose for a whole year and um, and then one day it all changed we got a we got money that paid off every bill we had and gave us fifteen thousand dollars to put down on a house. Just like that. But you see, God is saying, Will you be consistent more than three days at a time? All right. An honest evaluation of the people you hang around. This is a good last point. This is not the spirit of judgment, but rather an honest realization that not everyone is going to go to that next level with you. People can become a catalyst to help you move forward or an anchor that will weigh you down and slow your progress. I want to just read Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight And the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We're going to have to lay aside some things. We're going to have to lay aside some people just like we did. Several times in our life now, we've had to lay aside some people. But, you know, Pastor always tells the story that when he first got saved, he lost every friend. Every friend. But God gave him new friends. I'm just telling you, I went to a Christian college. Christian college now. And knew that I was called to be a pastor's wife, so I would only date, to even start even looking as to who I was going to date, I would only date religion majors. Okay? No pre-med, no school teachers, no, you know, only religion majors. And then I went out with one guy, and I really liked him. And then I said, so, are you going to be a pastor? And he's like, no, I'm going to be an evangelist. I was like, well, sorry, can't go out with you anymore. (laughs) Because, you see, I knew what I was called to do. I wasn't called to be an evangelist wife and sit home raising the kids. I was called to stand beside a man and shepherd sheep. And I knew that. And so you see, what has God laid hold of you to do? You've got to find that. You've got to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what are you calling me to do? Now, you don't throw somebody aside in a mean way, but you see, if they're holding you back, from being what God's called you to be, then you've got to make those decisions. The bottom line is that no church will move any farther down the road without leaders who are demonstrating what it takes to go to the next level. As Paul seemed to allude, no one ever fully arrives, but the Christian life is a continual moving from one level to the next. As a leader in the church, your passion should be about continually helping the ministry move in the direction that God is leading it. So this is what it looks like. Pastor gives us a vision. He hears from the Lord and he says, this is what we're doing. And we say, yes, pastor, we will help you hold up, we'll help, help, hold up your hands, help you attain the vision. We'll get his DNA through just these kind of teachings. We'll understand what his heart is. And then it's amazing. Some of you will say, as you are in the middle of your connect group and you're having to deal with a situation that five years ago, you would have never dreamed you could handle. You say, and I opened my mouth and I heard pastor's voice come out. You see, that's what happens when we get the DNA of the leader and our heart is to help build a ministry. Are you glad to be a part of something like that? Well, we're glad you're a part of it. Amen.